Shane, thank you so much for joining us today. I have a few questions for you, uh, which I thought would be really helpful to hear from you, particularly, Shane, since you've had both the CFO role and currently in a CEO seat. Now, I'm going to start with one that I know you and I have talked about and you've often said to me, which is that an effective CFO is one who not only understands and explains the numbers, but can also drive the numbers. So as a former CFO yourself, I'd love to hear how you think the CFO role has evolved and changed over the years. Great. Well, look, um, and a little bit about, you know, my experience, I guess, in being a CFO, and I would describe myself as an accidental CFO. I, I wasn't, uh, and maybe you're going to be an accident, you're becoming an accidental CFO yourself, Fahan. It wasn't sort of part of my career plan, and I'd always had a sort of a line and, and business role. And, and when the opportunity came up, I, you know, I struggled with it a little bit, to be perfectly honest, whether, you know, what would I bring to the role? And I had to really think about what was a CFO for? and what was really the role. And so obviously you draw on your own experience and I'd been in different organizations and I sort of thought about the CFOs that I knew and admired and, and what they'd achieved. But I also took the opportunity to stand back and say, how does a CFO really add value to a company, um, to the various stakeholders that we have? And I think it's fair to say, and people in the audience obviously know this well, the expectations of a CFO, whether that's from the board, whether that's from the shareholders, whether that's from the, the CEO, whether it's from customers, et cetera, investors, has really shifted over time. And, you know, it's probably a little bit glib to say, but I, I sort of summarise it as you quoted there. There was a sense, I think, in the past that the CFO was really important, certainly in a bank, to explain the numbers. Tell me how it works. Tell me how it added up. Tell me how the balance sheet works, the structure, all the risks, et cetera. And, and, and that's a very valuable role and it needs to be done, particularly in banking because it's so complicated and so much leverage and et cetera in there. But it's really moved quite dramatically in my lifetime, I, I've seen in my professional lifetime, to this person who really drives the numbers, really this right-hand person to the CEO, the person that is actually influencing outcomes, the person that is allocating resources actively, not just reporting them, but actually part and parcel of that capital allocation, expenditure allocation, and thinking through um, the impact of those decisions, holding businesses uh, to account. So I think it's really moved much more into the strategic realm than it has from the traditional finance, very important control function that we've become used to over, uh, over so many years. And um, I certainly, in my experience, I learned a lot in my uh, three years as CFO. And I think, you know, on reflection, it was really, it was the broader perspective from so many stakeholders that you are accountable to. And you kind of, run, when you're running a business, you think you're accountable to a whole bunch of stakeholders then, and that's hard enough. But I think the CFO role is really unique, really, I think, in an organisation in terms of the breadth of influence you have uh, across an organisation. You have a lot of levers of control I mean, in a business, you think you control a lot, but as a CFO, if, if done well, I think you really influence and drive very positive outcomes. And then I think that issue about explaining is still important, so I don't want to de-emphasize that. Uh, although one of the areas that I learned was really important, and again, I can only speak as a, as a bank, is explaining it to our own people, not just the marketplace. I think that's taken for granted, but it, being able to explain concepts of 
value creation. How do you create shareholder value, whether it's you know th through various lenses like economic profit or what, whatever else? You know, explaining the impact of decisions that we make and how that sort of rolls through into value, uh, and being able to do so in simple, understandable ways that will actually influence the way our people behave and make decisions over periods of time. No, I think that's that's fantastic, and I think it's, it's it is interesting, uh, Shane, as to how that evolution has occurred really over the last sort of five to ten years, I think, more than, more than two decades ago. But as this evolves, and it's going to continue to evolve, Shane, because of various uh, factors in the environment that are going to continue to lead the way the CFOs think going forward, what qualities and capabilities do you think will be absolutely critical to succeed as a CFO, not just today, but even into the future? Well, again, this will sound really simple, but it's not. Uh, so a great CFO, I think, really needs to understand the, the business model and how it works. And, you know, again, as a bank, and, and, and many of our customers run different industries, there's a, it's massive levels of complexity. And understanding how it all fits together, understanding the model, understanding how those parts interact with each other, understanding that if I do X, what happens to Y? You know, uh, that to me, that broad understanding is critically important because it's really about assessing the impact of decisions I make around resource allocation or prioritization and really having that depth of uh, view. So that's quite, that takes quite a, uh, a level of intellect and understanding. And a lot of it, again, in an industry like ours comes from just experience uh, in there. So I think that's critically important in terms of a capability uh, for a CFO. And, you know, without embarrassing you for harm. That's why you'll make a great CFO because your experience that you bring around understanding banking, understanding the impact of decisions that, you know, somebody at head office makes, what does that actually translate to in the line? How do those things influence customers um, and the various stakeholders? To me, that's really important. Secondly, you know, again, probably obvious, but partnering, the ability to partner. Uh, organizations today are large, they're complicated, particularly global organizations like all of ours. And so it's very uh, obvious that the only way to actually influence outcomes is through others. And that really requires collaboration and somebody who has empathy, somebody who can sit and say, hey, I, as CFO, I look at things in a certain lens, I understand things from a certain perspective, but I have empathy for a business leader, a control function, somebody working in operations, and, I, and I'm able to translate uh, my needs as the CFO into their language and so that they can understand um, you know, what is required. And that requires, I think, real empathy uh, for that. So that's the second part. An extension of that, I think, which I think has been a massive shift in my lifetime, both um, as CFO and also as CEO, is it's sort of the, today's extension of what we used to think of as the triple bottom line. You know, yes, there's the CFO, the F piece being finance, but increasingly what shapes finance and what many of our stakeholders are interested in isn't just the cold, hard numbers, but the broader sense of performance of an organisation. So the obvious areas of uh, things like ESG, for example, and understanding. So I think, again, having empathy and understanding for more than just the numbers and how that really... Um, manifests itself in terms of our results and our impact on the community, I think, again, that's really a big area for CFOs uh, today, contemporary CFOs and in the future. And then finally, I think, again, is this, you know, 
and again, it's probably a selfish view uh, given our industry, a CFO to be great uh, needs to really have their handle on um, the sort of what's going on in our uh, competitive environment in terms of strategy, in terms of disruption. You know, it's, it's my view that, you know, our industry is facing massive disruption and opportunity that comes with that, you know, so it's not all negative, but a CFO cannot be a handbrake on the business. They need to be an enabler of the business and it's somebody who's actually leaning in and helping the company allocate resources, ensure that we're investing in the right places, ensure that we really kind of get the transformations that are required and be a positive influence on change and transformation. So that's to me the sort of broad array. Uh, and again, it all goes back to where we started, that idea of driving outcomes you know, changing the business with the, with the CEO and, and other members of the team as opposed to reporting. Uh, and again, I, you know, I don't want to uh, suggest for a minute that that's all that CFOs of the past did, but I think there's been this massive shift in terms of uh, complexity and the sort of forward-leaning uh, requirements of a CFO today. Yeah. No, that's, that's actually great, Shane, because I, I guess it leads to my next question for you which is that as, you know, obviously that empathy, that understanding of the business and driving the operational efficiency is, is really important. And a lot of that does deal with internal stakeholders in terms of partnering and, and delivering the outcomes that we need to deliver. But you've, you, ref, you, you pointed out earlier that, you know, obviously reporting and, and talking to the market is an important part of the job as well. Particularly, we have some very important stakeholders, which, which are our shareholders. So, you know, we are currently obviously preparing to deliver our full year results to the market, uh, Shane, later this month. And one of the greatest challenges is communicating our strategy and narrative effectively. And that means with clarity and with a clear view of what our vision is into the future. So that is understood how we are creating value uh, for our shareholders. How important in your mind is getting that just right? And any, any sort of examples that you could give uh, that brings that to life? And equally, while you're answering that question, it'll be great to get your perspective uh, from our, for our customers who are attending today. What's your expectation as a CEO from the CFO in building that narrative? I think one of my biggest learnings actually over the last six or seven years has been the importance of that narrative. And I don't mean it in a shallow way or we're trying to somehow sort of manipulate you know, market perception of us and, you know, spin, tell a good story, put glitter on things. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. But I think it really goes to the heart of what do you stand for as an organisation? You know, what, 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 why, as a shareholder, uh, wh wh why am I putting my capital, uh, why am I giving my capital to ANZ? What do I get, you know? And beyond just, you know, X dividend or uh, X return. And so it's really what do you stand for? What's your narrative? What's your story? Um, and what do I need to believe to really uh, back ANZ? And I think crafting that is critically important. And now, of course, in an industry like ours, there's, it's heavily commoditized. I mean, most, and I, I imagine most of our guests here today probably exist in industries that are equally commoditized. There's a lot of that in the world. And so you're always looking not just to be different, as I used to say to, um, a, a lot of investors used to say to me when I was CFO, oh, you know, a lot of your strategy is the same as other banks. I'm saying, well, you know, you don't pay us to be different. Being different is easy. You pay us to win. You pay us to, you want us to win and succeed. And our job is to really talk about that narrative of how we're going to win uh, and what's our definition of that. So I think the narrative is critically important. I think the uh, challenge 
uh, for a CFO and a CEO in crafting that narrative, particularly in a large, complex, somewhat diversified business like ours, is why we'd all love, you know, simple, pithy little one-liner strategies or, you know, simplistic, you know, three-point plans, etc. The reality is there's complexity in what we do. And so it's not quite as simple. The narrative needs to resonate for the whole company and you need to be able to hold it all to, together. So, you know, I'm not going to uh, bore people with ours, but I think we've got clarity about what ANZ does promise our shareholders and how it manifests itself. And then we need to make sure that we can... Um, Build the narrative, explain why we think it works, we explain why we think it gives us an edge, our competitive advantage, and then actually the CFO's help but with me is then to hold ourselves to account. Well, if that is your narrative, ANZ, how, how would I know you're being successful in achieving it? Accepting that these things are not quarter-to-quarter -quarter results, these are long-term ambitions. Show me, tell me how I would know. What are the things I would look at uh, in terms of proof points? Yeah. And so I think, and again, going back to your earlier question for Han, I think there's been a much greater level of sophistication and expectations around that. So, you know, again, probably being unfair, uh, in the past, you know, you know, tell me your seat cost to income ratio or your jaws or those sorts of things. Okay, those, or NIM. Okay, they're interesting and we, we need to talk about that. But the level, the sort of metrics we need, the sort of measures, the way we can communicate um, our success, that we are aligned to our narrative, it takes a lot more sophistication, I think, today than it has done in the past. And I think that's a, 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 an evolving area. So anyway, going back to the last bit, hey, my job as CEO is to be clear about our strategy. What's our purpose as a company? What's the strategy we're going to embark on in order to deliver to that purpose? How would we know we're successful? And obviously run the business to do it. And the CFO is to partner with me to how do we allocate the resources that we have at our disposal to engineer the right outcomes? And how do we hold our businesses and ourselves to account? And then how do we communicate to the market, hey, we did what we said we would do. We told you what we were about. We had a narrative, a promise, and we've been able to sh deliver to you and we've been able to prove it um, in a reasonably, in, you know, I think in a sort of sophisticated, uh, in a sophisticated way. And, and a consistent way, right, Shannon? We've talked about that. Shannon, yeah, I mean, I, I, sorry. I mean, I think, you know, there's, a, again, I don't want to be dismissive, but there's a temptation, and I've been there as CFO, there's a temptation to talk about all the good stuff. And, you know, like in any company, there's always good stuff happening, right? I mean, we've got our result coming up. There's always good things happening in any company, yeah? And there's a temptation to say, well, just give me all the good stuff and we'll wrap it all together and put a bow on it and we'll talk to the market about all the nice stuff. But I think ultimately that's destructive, and I don't, you know, and I think, um, you know, quite understandably, shareholders and the market look through that increasingly. What we're really about is that narrative-based um, communication. This is what we're about. We told you what we believe, and we told you in terms of how we believe we can create value. We've created a framework for knowing whether that's working, and we have to hold ourselves to account, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, and that level of consistency, I think, is really, really important. Yeah. Absolutely. But that actually, so you've sparked an important question because I know, I know you're very passionate about this and you and I have had many conversations about this, Shane, and I am, I'm 100% sure that pretty much everyone who's sitting in the audience today from our customers have faced into this. It's about finding that right balance of delivering strong numbers in the short term to create shareholder return while also shaping your business for the long term.
And sometimes shaping the business for the long time, long term takes a little bit more courage than just delivering short term uh, outcomes. As a CEO, and certainly for the CFOs in the audience and the finance leaders in the audience, it'll be interesting for them to hear how you think about that um, and, and how you find that balance, both, both with our shareholders, but equally with our board, uh, uh, Shane. Well, I have to be careful what I say, but I think that's a, that is the single biggest challenge, I think, at the moment for me and for, for perhaps, I can't speak for others, but for CEOs, particularly in the banking industry, when you think about the rapid level of um, disruption and, and sort of disintegration of our business models that we're witnessing or about, you know, we can see on the, on the horizon. So how do you get that balance right? Yes, we have to, you know, one of my old bosses used to say, you know, the long term is just a series of short terms. Yes, you have to deliver the short term. Yes, we've got the quarter. Yes, we've got, we've got to, you know, we've got to do that because that's what feeds the beast. That's what allows us to invest uh, for the long term. But, you know, if you, and the job of the CEO is to make sure the organisation is sufficiently focused on the bigger picture and the long term but not to delude yourself in the sense that it's all about the long term and the short term doesn't matter. So that's all sort of a bit of nonsense probably and not very helpful. But that is exactly the sort of thing that we spend a lot of time talking at, at an exco, as you know, with our, in, in our team and, and also um, debating extensively with the board and, 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 you know, to be honest, with the marketplace about how we get that, um, that balance um, right. Now, the good news is that if you get your business model run, running well in the short term, it actually creates the space and the confidence and the credibility where the market, the management, the board, the shareholders, etc., allow you to reinvest some of that credibility in investing in the long term. And I think that really has been essentially at the heart of our strategy, which we've been doing over the last five years, is building credibility as a management team Building, building strength in our, in our operations, our, perform, our balance sheet, our, our business. And then we sort of had a model a little bit that says, hey, the benefits of that business we should share. A little bit back to shareholders in terms of dividends, and we've been conducting share buybacks and capital management things. A little bit to strengthen the bank and build resilience, and a little bit to invest uh, ahead of the curve for some you know, what we think is the right things to do to position ourselves for the long term. And of course, that long term investment is on a spectrum, sort of horizon one, things we know we can do, digitization, automation, artificial intelligence, that sort of stuff, all the way out to sort of horizon three, which are more of the, you know, not necessarily big financial bets, but more of the blue sky, where we put money into innovation, partnering with fintechs, investing in true sort of more R&D. One of the challenges I, we have, and we've talked about this a lot for Han, is that, you know, at some level we're a large company. We have market cap of about $80 billion. Inevitably, anything you do and that always looks small and always looks like a hobby and, you know, it looks a little bit meaningless. And so, again, that's also the scale challenges, um, something we need to consider. So if you sort of draw it on a classic two-by-two, two, you've got this, hey, I've got this need about the short-term versus the long-term impact. And then on the other hand, I've got this issue about materiality and how do I do things that are material um, to the, that will actually reshape A and Z. There's not much point us doing things that, you know, that remain invisible or don't f 
fundamentally change the customer experience if you're a customer of ANZ. And you know, that, that, that's one of the challenges. And again, we look to the CFO to help us dimension the kinds of investments we need to make to truly reshape ANZ and not just be hobbies or things at, 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 the, at the fringe. I, but I'm going to your question, it is, it, it is undoubtedly one of the biggest challenges I think board CEOs, CFOs in our industry anyway are faced with at the moment and getting that right. You know, you just don't, the temptation is to be a really, really well run, but kind of, you know, business not really going anywhere. You know, because that, you know, we're all under huge regulatory pressure. You know, our shareholders love getting more and more dividends or whatever it might be. Uh, but on the other hand, we have to transform the business for the, for, the, for the long term. And that sort of goes to the narration conversation as well, um, uh, Shane, that we've got to carry the shareholders along with us in the journey that we travel around balancing the short and long term. So it's a, it's, it's a role that the CEO and the CFO have to play together in terms of delivering that message to the market consistently. Well, it goes to what you stand for again. And again, there's nothing wrong with these propositions. I mean, it's perfectly reasonable for uh, a company, a bank, to say, hey, what we stand for is we're just going to be well run and, you know, we distribute, we, we, we generate earnings and we distribute a lot of those to shareholders and, you know, that's what we're about. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, versus, you know, as we see today, particularly in the tech industry, um, or the fintech industry, much more about, hey, we're a growth-oriented company, and yeah, we don't make money today. In fact, we lose lots of it, but we've got a growth promise, and we can see a path. Now, you know, that's not an option for somebody of our scale, but we need to find that where's the right middle point between those that says we're investing enough to make a difference to really transform the business, but not too much that we actually sort of disenfranchise a lot of what we are about as a, as a large you know, a successful company that does generate returns today for our shareholders who rely on those dividends and, and, and um, the fact that, that that actually supports a whole bunch of shareholders of ANZ today. So it is about balance. I'm going to shift uh, gears a little bit, uh, Shane, and, and, and talk about the fact that, that, as you know well, and you've touched on both of them actually, there are a number of intersecting megatrends shaping the world today many of which we have covered in this conference over the, last, uh, over the last two days. One of those is technology. You've spoken about that, and that's disrupting our industry. It's disrupting every industry. Uh, and, of course, the other is sustainability, which is obviously uh, paramount in terms, of, uh, uh, in terms of the focus of boards and management today. What role do you think the finance function has in shaping strategy against a backdrop of these megatrends? So um, when I first started as, well, I'll take you back a little bit. When I first started as CFO, as I said, I was an accidental CFO. It wasn't in my plan, and I was a little bit surprised to be offered the job. And so I had to sort of dig deep and think about what is finance for? And, you know, what, what, how do we know we're having an impact? And, again, massively simplistic, but I remember saying to my team, if we're being honest with ourselves, nobody buys stock in ANZ because we've got a great finance team, you know, um, they, they, they buy stock in the company because, you know, you have a storyline, you have a narrative, a strategy that wins. So the role of finance is really to enable that, out, those outcomes. And so I, I go back to that basics. The role of finance is around, ultimately, it's about resource allocation to say, hey, we've been part with the management about articulating what our narrative and our strategy is. And now finance have really their hands on a lot of the control levers about 
capital allocation, liquidity, operating expenses, investment slates, etc. Not, not they're, they're not the only ones with their hands on those levers, but they have a pretty strong hand. And so the role of finance is to say, how do we ensure we allocate resources to achieve those outcomes? So sustainability. It might seem odd to say, well, what's finance got to do with sustainability? Actually, it's got a lot to do with sustainability because, you know, for us at ANZ, it's about what, how we behave ourselves, how we run our businesses, you know, carbon neutral, et cetera. Well, that's about resource allocation, making sure we're investing in our own, you know, data centers and electricity and energy, uh, 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 the way our property footprint is, et cetera. So that's a big chunk. But probably more importantly, it's really through how our customers behave and are we choosing the right customers and are we putting capital, resources, investment to work around those? And really importantly, from a finance point of view, to say, hey, we want a double outcome here. We, we need and deserve the right outcome for the planet, for the community, for the environment, and do so in a way that generates a decent return for shareholders. So finance's role is really to really sort of square that circle and work with the businesses to make sure we get the balance right between um, those outcomes. And I think you know, that's why finance is such an important partner in execution of uh, literally everything that we do, um, irrespective of what it might be, whether it's sustainability or technology disruption or, or diversity or any, of the, or any of the things that we deem important to our competitive advantage. Absolutely. And, and I think uh, that sort of brings me to a, an important question because, um, you know, while we, while we face into all of these challenges and trends that we, uh, uh, that we're experiencing today, we're also facing into a number of crises. Uh, and we've had, you know, we've had no shortage of crises over the last few years. Uh, and you've experienced a number of crises, uh, Shane, during your career. You know, the global financial crisis, you know, we went through the Royal Commission uh, in Australia uh, a few years ago. Of course, the pandemic, amongst many others that you've gone through. How have these experiences changed you and your perspective of leadership? So you can sort of look at it and say a crisis is an unusual event. I think actually it's not. I think it's sort of the normal state of affairs. And actually as a bank, you know, we are massively, you know, we're 25 times levered, right? Remember banks are extremely levered organisations. So, so we are actually built and in, in, in certainly the, those, the banks that survive and the banks that have been around like us for a long period of time are built for crises. And uh, now the nature of crises change, the way they hit you, the speed of them, the extent, all that sort of stuff shifts. But the fundamentals, and I don't want to be dismissive of them, but the fundamentals are the same. So really what you learn is, it's sort of like the Boy Scout thing about being prepared. And being prepared says, do you have resilience in your in your company now as a finance person we'll instantly think about balance sheet well that's pretty important when you're 25 times levered do i have enough capital do i have enough liquidity all of those sort of resilience that's one two do i have operational resilience if you know you know what we've seen funnily enough in things like covid uh crises and similarly in the gfc some of our volumes actually spike massively higher than we're used to, not necessarily lower. So do you have operational resilience and flexibility in your systems and places uh, of control? And then importantly, I think the big one is cultural resilience. Do you have a culture that is collaborative, resilient, you know, 
people that know how to work together, get things done, think about the group first, not about themselves, those sorts of cultural attributes. So uh, Shane, thanks very much. I, that, that has really been uh, an instructive session, certainly for me, uh, particularly for me, since I'm going to be coming to work for you. So it'll be great to, it's great to get your thoughts. Thanks, and it's a great opportunity. And I appreciate the opportunity to talk to so many of our customers.